Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, September 20th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The catastrophic effects of climate change could be avoided, but it will cost trillions of dollars. That's according to a new report. U.S. climate politics is causing headaches for global asset managers. And our Swamp Notes columnists, Rana Faruhar and Ed Luce, talk about the Democrats' surge going into the midterm elections. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Two of Turkey's largest banks have stopped using Russia's payment system after warnings from Washington. They were among five of Turkey's biggest banks that were using the Mir system. It's Russia's version of MasterCard or Visa. Turkey has avoided taking sides in Russia's war in Ukraine and hasn't signed on to sanctions. But Washington has expressed concerns that these banks could provide a financial backdoor to sidestep Western sanctions. A spokesperson for one of the banks said it had temporarily suspended use of the Mir payment network while it evaluated new guidance from the U.S. Two leading global energy agencies have issued a report that estimates the cost of avoiding the catastrophic effects of climate change. The International Energy Agency and the International Renewable Energy Agency published the report on behalf of dozens of global leaders. It says by the end of this decade, the world would need to invest about a trillion dollars in renewable power each year. It's a massive number, which is kind of hard to conceptualize. It's so big. That's the FT's Camilla Hudson. This isn't just a case of demanding a trillion dollars upfront from governments. It's going to be a combination of public sector money, private sector money. You've seen recently commitments by governments and also the private sector to pump millions more into renewable energy. It definitely feels like there's more of an appetite to do that in the context of the energy crisis. It's obviously a challenge, but I think... The groups that wrote this report think it's feasible. It's just going to require a kind of step change in how ambitious both governments and also the private sector are in investing in renewables and rolling them out. Camilla Hodson is a climate reporter for the FT. Global asset managers are finding themselves caught in the middle of U.S. political divisions over climate change. Recently, a global asset manager, Federated Hermes, withdrew its sponsorship of a group of Republican state finance officials who oppose action on climate change. Federated Hermes did this after pressure from European and Australian pension fund clients who value environmental, social, and governance investing, or ESG investing. Here's the FT's Chris Flood. It's further evidence of the way the backlash against ESG is growing in the U.S. I mean, just last month, we saw the state of Texas criticizing BlackRock and nine other European managers, describing them as being hostile to fossil fuels. That's, I think, been extremely disturbing for these managers. They know that their investors in the rest of the world are are genuinely committed to ESG. Managers like BlackRock also see these criticisms as being very misplaced because they actually have significant investments in oil and gas industries, 
they're getting it from the Republicans on one hand, who are complaining that they're not supporting fossil fuels enough. They're also finding themselves criticised by environmental groups who dislike their continuing support for oil and gas and coal industries. So it's a bit of a no-win situation for some of the big investment managers at the moment. That's the FT's asset management reporter, Chris Flood. The U.S. midterm elections are rapidly approaching, and for a while, prospects for the ruling Democratic Party looked pretty grim. But legislative successes have improved their odds against Republicans. Here to discuss this is the FT's U.S. national editor and columnist, Ed Luce, as well as our global business columnist, Rana Faruhar. They write our twice-weekly Swamp Notes newsletter. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. So, Rana, Ed, what's behind the shift? Why do Democrats have a better chance now? The broader change that we've seen politically for the Democrats in the last few weeks is pretty unprecedented. And I think some of it's to do with the flurry of legislation that's been passed and and maybe the student loan forgiveness. But I think a lot of it is to do with um, the focus on Trump. And Biden, you know, is making this as much a referendum on Trump's MAGA party as he is the traditional referendum on Biden and the economy. And that's smart politics. All right. But is any of the legislation that's been passed under Biden, is that influencing the way people vote? I I think it's all part of sort of a tailwind for a really mega change. I mean, potentially the biggest political change of our of our lifetimes, which is moving from less government control, more private sector power to more public sector power and less corporate control of things. And you can see that in all kinds of things like the FTC and the uh, SEC and what they're doing to really push forward cases on companies that are exerting monopoly power or being unfair. We just saw the FTC take on Walmart in a new case. And I think that the shift in voting power from boomers to millennials who don't have assets to protect and who are just more in that kind of democratic socialist camp, to put it you know, very broadly, is part of what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a generational um, shift there. And, and the enthusiasm levels have gone up recently amongst the young and amongst women. And let's not overlook the, the backlash to the Supreme Court rule, the Dodd ruling on um, get the scrapping Roe v. Wade. I mean, you've seen uh, registration rates surge and overwhelming majorities of the new registrants are women. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we should overlook, you know, that the, the electrifying effect of that. It really has motivated people. So a lot of these things that we're talking about, the repeal of Roe v. Wade, the abortion ruling, uh, inflation, Biden didn't really have anything to do with these things, right? What did Biden and the Democrats do to put them more on the offensive rather than the defensive here? Well, I'll speak just quickly to the inflation issue because I think it's interesting and it's complicated. So I think Biden, by creating this kind of work not wealth slogan and paradigm, has sort of moved the dial on reclaiming that democratic mantle of we are uh, the party of the working people. We are thinking about people that earn their money from a paycheck rather than asset price wealth. So so I would say that that's one way he's turned the needle. He's also taken a lot of the smart low-hanging fruit, you know, releasing strategic petroleum reserves to try and lower gas prices. And also using, again, antitrust policy to really look at corporate price gouging. And I'm beginning to think that, that he has a, a case there. 
Yeah, I mean, one one thing I would uh, I would emphasize about Biden's um, rebranding or the Democrats' rebranding in a more positive sense is that not just the legislation they've passed or the things Rana has mentioned. It's just the sense amongst you know voters who don't pay you know wonkish attention to all of all of the stuff that we've been talking about are still getting the impression there is a positive agenda. Mm. There is actually an active agenda to address some of the problems um, in their lives. Um, and Republicans really are, are reducing themselves to a one-issue party, which mm. is a stolen election. It's what Trump says the Republican Party. Great, great point. You don't have Republican policies on any of these questions. And the only Republican policy on inflation is drilling on federal land. And it's not a particularly popular one. Ed Luce is the FT's U.S. national editor and columnist, and Rana Faruhar is the FT's global business columnist. They write our twice-weekly Swamp Notes newsletter. We'll have a link to subscribe to that in the show notes. Thanks as always, guys. This was great. Thanks so much. Thank you. President Joe Biden put COVID-19 back in the headlines by declaring that the pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's, but the pandemic is over. His remarks on U.S. television Sunday night may come as good news to Americans, but not to pharmaceutical companies that make COVID-19 vaccines. Investors wiped a combined $10 billion off the market value of vaccine makers Moderna, BioNTech, and Novavax. Pfizer didn't fall as much because of its wider array of products. Analysts say the sell-off reflects concerns over demand for COVID vaccines as leaders, not just in the U.S., declare the crisis phase of the coronavirus pandemic coming to an end. The World Health Organization last week said the end of the pandemic was in sight. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.